Hello and welcome to America's Lost History, episode 1.14, South Carolina. Getting very close to the end now. We only have one colony left, and that's going to be Georgia next week. So, let's get right to it. Uh, we have four delegates to go over this week, and we're going to notice that all four are very young when they sign the Declaration, and they all are very rich. So, our first signer is Thomas Hayward Jr., born July the 28th, 1746, dies March the 6th, 1809, age at signing, 30 years old. Born in St. Luke's Parish, South Carolina, Thomas's father, Colonel Dame Hayward, was a wealthy planner who believed his son needed an education. He sent his son to the best classical school in the colony and then to study law with Mr. Parsons, a South Carolina barrister. After studying law in South Carolina, Hayward went to London to study law at the Temple. While in London, Hayward was exposed to the way colonists were seen as second-hand citizens. This sense of injustice started to poison young Hayward against the mother country. Before returning to South Carolina, Hayward visited the courts of European royalty. Instead of being impressed by their opulence, he gained a greater sense of the waste of the old world monarchies. Upon his return to South Carolina, he married Elizabeth Matthews. The couples would have six children together. Hayward was an outspoken opponent of the British crown. He spoke out against the oppressive measures such as the Stamp Act and after the Battle of Lexington. In 1775, he was sent by his colony to represent them in the Continental Congress. He heartily approved of the lead resolution for independence and was happy to add his signature to the Declaration in August. He remained in Congress until 1778 when he became a judge in the courts of South Carolina. Hayward also served in the South Carolina militia. While on service against the British, Hayward received a gunshot wound that scarred him for life. In 1780, when the British captured Charleston, Hayward was captured and detained by the British for 11 months. In 1790, with the passing of his first wife, Hayward married Elizabeth Savage. He retired from the bench in 1798 and retired from public life. Hayward remained in the retired life until his death in 1809. Our next signer is Thomas Lynch Jr. Born August the 5th, 1749, he died around 1779, age at signing, 26. Thomas Lynch was born in Prince George's Parish, South Carolina. His father was a planter who had inherited large tracts of land. Thomas Jr. was educated in Georgetown at an academy there, and then in Eton School in England. After Eton, Lynch attended Cambridge. He then studied law at the Temple, and while in London, Lynch heard of the discontent back in the colonies. He was also poisoned by the attitudes of the British towards the colonists. He obtained permission from his father to head home and return to South Carolina in 1772. Thomas married Shubrick upon his return home. In 1773, he entered into the political arena by addressing a town meeting in Charleston. In 1775, Lynch was elected a captain of the 1st Provincial Regiment of South Carolina. Thomas Lynch Sr. had meanwhile been elected to Congress. When his father fell ill and became paralyzed, Thomas Jr. was elected to fill his place. Lynch did not remain in Congress long after signing the Declaration. He returned home with his father, who passed away on the trip home. With his own health problems, doctors recommended Lynch travel to the south of Europe to recuperate. While traveling to Europe by the way of the West Indies, Lynch and his young wife were lost at sea when their ship foundered. Sadly, that is a short story for a signer of the Declaration. Our next delegate is Arthur Middleton. Born... June the 26th, 1742, died January the 1st, 1787. Age at signing, 34. 
The oldest and richest of the South Carolina signers was born at Middleton Place near Charleston. His father, Henry Middleton, owned 50,000 acres and 800 slaves. Henry was an early patriot and would go on to be president of the First Continental Congress. Arthur was educated at Harrow School, Westminster School, and Cambridge, all in England. He studied law at the Middle Temple and then toured Europe. In 1764, Arthur and his bride, Mary Izzard, settled down at Middleton Place. In 1769, Middleton returned for a European tour. Upon his return home, the clouds of revolution were already rising over the continent. The Middletons threw their lot in with the Patriots. Arthur served in the South Carolina Committee of Safety. When the governor, Lord William Campbell, was acting against the Patriots, Middleton re recommended his immediate arrest. The other Patriots were unwilling to take this step, and Campbell fled the colony. Middleton was one of the committee that oversaw creating a new government for the colony. He was then sent to Congress in 1776, where he would remain until 1777. He returned to South Carolina and in 1778 was elected its first governor, but he turned down that appointment. When Charleston was captured by the British, Middleton was also sent to a British prison and remained there for almost a year. After his release, Middleton returned to Congress until 1782. He returned to South Carolina and served in the state legislature until 1787. In 1787, Middleton was forced to retire due to ill health. His illness con continued to worsen, and Middleton would pass away in 1788. He left behind a widow and eight children. So, continuing with our very young signers, they all pretty much die also very young. And our last one will be Edward Rutledge, born November the 23rd, 1749, died January the 23rd, 1800, age at signing, 26. Many of us will remember Rutledge as the dandy who sang the Molasses to Rum to Slave song in the movie 1776. His father, Dr. John Rutledge, moved to America from Ireland in 1735. Rutledge was one of seven children raised by his mother after the early death of Dr. Rutledge. Edward received a good English education and then studied law under his brother John. At the age of 20, Edward was sent to England to finish his law education at the Inner Temple. Edward returned to South Carolina in 1772 and was admitted to the bar. Firmly on the side of the Patriots, Rutledge was sent to Congress in 1774 and was re-elected in 75 and 76. Though firmly for independence, Rutledge would wanted the colonies to get an army and allies before declaring independence. Rutledge did eventually vote for independence with the rest of South Carolina, but he was the reason, or one of the reasons, why the Lee Resolution was delayed almost a month before it was voted upon. Rutledge is known as the one who had the anti-slavery language removed from the Declaration, leaving that issue to be resolved in another war. Rutledge served as an artillery captain throughout the war and was with Middleton and Hayward when they were captured by the British. After the war, Rutledge re resumed his practice. He would go on to serve in the state legislature, and in 1794 he was elected to the U.S. Senate. In 1798 he was elected governor of the South Carolina, but he died from gout prior to completing his first term. Okay, folks, that is our four signers from South Carolina. We're getting near the finish line. I can see it just over the horizon. Next week, we will finish up with Georgia. Um, then I will maybe take a week off to one bonus podcast on John Dickinson. And then I'm going to move on to the next topic. So um, if you like this podcast, let me know. If you have some suggestions for changes, let me know that too. Okay, folks, have a great week.